Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for Spring of Life Fellowship in 2016. Thank you for what it represents to the families upon the earth. Thank you for our vision to build a solid serious men that know you, that love you, that serve you. Thank you for the women that are a part of this church, Lord, that have learned the virtues of womanhood, that a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised, and charm is deceitful, Father, and beauty is vain. We pray, Father God, that these women would would make a difference by raising up families that will change the world. We pray that we would have convictions through your Holy Spirit, that we would be sensitive in our hearts to listen to your voice and to follow you and to put you at the utmost priority and prominence in our life, Lord. Father, the days are evil, the days are dark. There's a lot of chaos and confusion. Suicide seems to be the answer to the world's problems without Christ. But we know that in you is the light, and you are the light of men. And in you we have peace and joy and righteousness. In you there is no darkness at all. You shine bright in the midst of the darkest hour and make it as the noonday sun. So we pray that we would be filled with your presence, that we would obey your instructions, that they would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, clarity to our thoughts. And we pray, Father God, that the world would see us shine brightly in your peace and joy and righteousness. So use this word today to give us further clarity of what it is to serve others, what it is to live in a manner that honors you. For you said that to love the Lord thy God is the first and greatest commandment, and to love your neighbor as yourself is the second most greatest. And we love you with all our hearts, and we're passionate about you. But we want to know how to love our neighbors. We want to know what is it that our neighbors and others need so that we can move in that direction, Lord, and honor you in this way. We give you thanks for the presence of the Holy Spirit here tonight. We give you thanks for the ministry of your word and the grace that sustains us in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Jeremiah 22, 16, um, the very thought of knowing God is knowing that he is the one that is, he's making a difference in the life of the poor and the needy. If you don't understand that thinking on someone else is the way of God, then you have not known, you have not come to God, you don't know Jesus. Jesus is concerned about other people. And the prophets would say this of old. He judges the cause of the poor and the needy. Do you want to have some problems in your life? Mess with other people. God is not going to stand for it. And then he says, then it was well. Was not this knowing me, says the Lord? When you knew me, you knew I was concerning myself about others. Um, it's, it's, It's a personal experience you must have when you mess with anybody Anybody, you're messing with God. God defends the needy and the poor. He, he, he judges the case between those people where no one will stand up for anyone. Guess who's there standing up for him? It'll be God. God will stand up for um, 
the, the, the others, whatever you want to call it, the neighbor. Um, look at this. The man comes and he asks, Lord, what do we have to do to honor you? He says, take care of others. Take care of others and, and you're going to be, you're going to be uh, seen right in my eyes. And so all over the Bible, you see God standing up. Even Ishmael, uh, the son of Abraham and, and his mom, uh, she's crying. She's not even a part of the lineage. And God goes out and reaches out to her. And he says, she says, now I know that God's eyes are in all places and that God hears the cry of people. And so we need to know this. Uh, maybe it passed your observation or perception, but God cares about other people. And being a part of God makes us care about other people. And I've even told people that before. You know the only reason why I care about you? Because God cares about you. If, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't stop and talk to you, not even one word. I have, no, I have no vested interest in your life. But there's a God who gave his son to die for you. And so they're freaking out. What do you mean you don't care about me? Well, I, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't phase me. But it phases God. And he cares. And he cares a lot. And so that's why uh, Christians are passionate about reaching out to everyone in every direction. Uh, we got down from an airplane coming back from Danbury, Connecticut, and, and this guy's sitting there, and I want to give him a What is a Man book. And he go, he, he's just, out of all these people, why me? He just, you know, he screams it out at the baggage claim. Hey, look at all these people. Why me? Because this is what I do, I told him. This is what I do. I reach out to people because the Jesus in me can't help it but to reach out to people. All types of people. Good-looking people, ugly people. Rich people, poor people. A homeless told me, oh, you're doing this because you're just into my money. I'm like, you're a deadbeat. You have nothing. Why would I insist on having you come and to know the Lord? You know why? Because the presence of Jesus in us was not this knowing me. That I'm always looking out for the cause of the poor and the needy. This is, this is awesome. And so that, that is what we're pursuing. And, and there's a lot of people that, that will engage with God so much that it doesn't involve other people. In other words, other people are just a hindrance. Other people are just, you're just in the way. I just came to church today to pray. I just came to, to, to sing. I came to hear the word. I didn't come to, to, to say hi to you. I don't, I don't care how you're doing. And, and that just defeats our purpose. Uh, that, that was the, the parable of the, of the tax collector and the Pharisee. The other guy came to do business with God, and, and he could care less that the other man was there. And, and he says, I'm doing good, and everything's taken care of. So I want to, as, as we, and this is going to be a journey, and we, we, want to, we really want to hear from God in this matter. Lord, what is it to love others? What is it to meet neighbors? Um, it could be overbearing to the degree uh, like we, we said, what was happening on Sunday, the, the, the two thieves, one of them was cynical, one of them was just ranting and raving, being disrespectful, and Jesus did not even turn to him or say nothing. We have no biblical record that, that Jesus attended to him. Um, there's, there's a saying that, that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. He, he just, he's not gonna, wherever there's pride, that's not the direction that he sets himself on that course to suffer at the hand of, uh, we, we, we also saw on Sunday that you shake your, your dust off your feet. You don't, you don't suffer uh, the cause of those people you've already reached out to, you already talked to, you've already 
loved on and, and, and have spoken to, um, there's a time where, where you shake the dust off your feet. So learning that balance is something that we're going to perfect. Now, uh, the physical needs throughout the Bible, how, how many could think of physical needs that we see uh, that people have throughout the entire Bible? You, you could see it from, from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible. The word needs is heavy, 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 heavy. And, and so you, let's start with your needs. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you could enumerate as you need? Uh, the feelings of acceptance, feelings to be covered, uh, forgiven, embraced, love. And you just start enumerating all the needs that we have. And I'll tell you, your pastor is a really needy person. But Jesus has met all my needs, every single one of them. And so that, that, that is why we can focus on other people's needs because our needs have been made, made, met. If, if it wasn't that the case, today uh, my neighbor came up to me and says, man, you got around so many interesting people. Why don't you just start businesses everywhere? You have, you'll be a businessman. and you, I, I don't have those needs. I, I'm, not, I'm not needy in that regards. I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm content. God has been faithful. So that is the course of us meeting other people's needs because our needs were met first and foremost. Um, Jesus, we talked about on Sunday, is the central figure of the meeting of the needs of all peoples. Everyone needs Jesus. And that is the beginning of all things provided for in Christ. And so one of my favorite passages, Matthew 15, 29 we're going we're gonna to see how Jesus is the provider and the source to all peoples, regardless of their physical needs, blind, deaf, lame, leprosy. This is one of the most powerful things. And, and we need to get there in that regards. Uh, some people don't believe in the supernatural. I do. Because when Jesus came to my life, he started doing a million miracles. Million miracles in our family. Uh, it would take an entire book to, to tell you everything that he did to heal us. Jesus departed from there and skirted around the Sea of Galilee and went up the mountain and sat there. Verse 30. Him sitting there, great multitudes came to him having with them lame, uh, we use lame nowadays as you're, you're, you're a cheesy person. That's not what it's talking about here. Lame is talking about you're missing a leg. You're missing an arm. Okay? So these people that were missing arms and legs were coming, uh, were being brought to him. Great multitudes, crowds were coming to Jesus, and they were bringing with them lame, blind Mute, we know what blind is, you can't see. Mute, you can't speak. Can't speak. You can't communicate. Maimed, people that were hurt, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Supernatural. Uh, you know, when you come to Jesus in the first right, you're like, you're doubting that he could even do anything for you. You're like, you know, I got a lot of needs. I don't have time to waste my time. I don't want to start religion. I don't want to go to church. I want you to be real in my life. 
And, and when he meets those levels of needs, then you're confident to go and tell a friend, hey, I ran into Jesus, man. My arm grew back. My leg grew back. My eyeball, I could see. I, I could speak. Um, and so the healing aspect of Jesus, um, a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people don't know the power that there is in the name of Jesus to heal, to, to restore. Um, it's phenomenal if you sit back and just listen to the testimonies of healings that have taken place uh, through the power of Jesus. Verse 31, what happens when you meet the needs of all these people? So the multitude marveled, everybody was freaking out when they saw the mute speaking. Would you, would you freak out? Hey, well, let's go down the bat. And the guy starts talking. And, and we've seen these miracles. Uh, one, of the, one of the boys that came uh, to our church in, in Mexico, he came in a wheelchair because he had something called dropsy. Dropsy is that you don't have any muscles in your spinal cord so that you can't sit up on a chair. So in his wheelchair, he was like droopy. And he was just like, like that. He's, he's like uh, six years old. His name is Jeronimo. And, and his mom would bring him dropsy in his wheelchair. And, he's just, and then all of a sudden one day, whoo, he's sitting. The next day, he's clapping. The next day, he gets off his wheelchair. He's walking. The next day, he's breaking his legs because he's walking too fast. And the doctor says, he can't run like that. Well, listen to me. He couldn't even move up on his chair. And Jeronimo was, was a, a fiasco. Listen to me. I want to say something that miracles... Miracles do not cause great uh, transformation in beliefs. These people, God comes and heals them, and they were blind, and now they see. They were dumb, and now they talk mute. They were deaf, and now they hear, and they just leave. They, they receive their miracles like the ten lepers. Jesus healed ten of them, and only one came back and said, thank you. And so miracles are, are really powerful, but we're watching this supernatural. I, I want you to seriously bring up Jesus in the needy people in your life. The blind, the deaf, the mute, the lame, the, the cripple, the, the diabetics, the heart, whatever the case may be. Watch Jesus meet the needs of those that are in our lives. And it's super, supernatural. So the multitude marveled when they saw those who couldn't speak begin to speak. So what did the mom do? She took Jeronimo to kindergarten. And, and they're like, lady, this guy cannot. She says, listen, you have no idea what has happened in six months. You don't tell me what's not going to happen, what I've seen, what has happened. So he even went to school, and he, he grabbed one of those little tablets. He started playing, and he would not let go. This guy was brilliant with the tablets, and he was a flirt, too. He liked women. Um, he was always going over to the girls and, and wanting to be with the girls. He's like, <laughs> wanting to touch the girls. And guess what? Listen to me. All because of Jesus. His mom brought him to Jesus and, and began to transform his incredible life. Um, the blind were seen and glorified the God of Israel. I don't know about you, but this gets me excited. Matthew 15, 32, we have a passage where Jesus calls 
on his disciples, and this is where it gets, because we all like when Jesus does the miracles and he does the signs and the wonders, but now he's calling his disciples, his followers. Um, he says he called his disciples to himself. He says, I feel for these people. They, listen, tell God to allow you to have some feeling for someone other than you and yours. Tell God to put that in your heart that you might have something called compassion on the multitudes. And he says, because they continue with me for three days and have nothing to eat. And I don't want to send them away hungry lest they faint on their way. Now, this is the paradigm of an event taking place, but it's also the paradigm of Jesus doesn't want anyone to go away empty-handed, anytime, anywhere. In no situation. We, we know this. We, he has taught us his propensity towards others. I don't want to send them away empty-handed. I don't want them to faint as they go on their way. Listen, when Jesus got f f finished with these people, they're so excited. They're just waiting for him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they're saying, we want more of this that you have. Teach us how to meet others' needs. Now, now the whole multitude, we're going to get there now. Um, verse 33, here's what the disciple says. It's probably what you're saying as we started our journey here uh, concerning ourselves with others. Then his disciple says, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? What's that mean? Lord, we're not as resourced as you are. Why do you want us to focus on other people's needs when we don't have the capacity? Guess what? I believe God's going to give us capacity. I believe there's going to be provision as soon as we start walking in that direction. So um, one of the disciples, and we'll read this later, said, Hey, Lord, um, why don't you tell these people to go home? Because we, you know, we have a little stash maybe, but these guys, there's too many needs here. So tell the needy people to get lost so that we can regroup. And, and there... Somebody said that, that Jesus would have had a response, that the disciple would have had a response like this. Um, when, instead of responding, like Jesus says, we don't want, um, we don't want to send them away empty-handed, hungry, and fainting. Uh, instead of answering, where could we get enough bread in a desert place, the restaurants are closed, there's no, there's no banks open, to fill such a great multitude, to fill such a great multitude to fill. Do you imagine the needy people that surround us in our lives? And the question is, how, how are we going to get them to their needs be met? What if, what if they would have responded like this? Lord, um, just a second here. I, I saw you turn water into wine. I watched you heal the royal officer's son from a distance. I, I saw you heal the man who was unable to walk for 38 years. I watched you perform dozens of miracles. Surely you can provide bread. And surely there is uh, an ability to feed the multitude. Just like you did when you gave manna in the desert wilderness. You're the God of all resources. I, uh, I think that you can pull this one off too. To, to have that mindset is, and, and this is where I'm at now, 32 years into the gospel, that Jesus is prepared to fulfill and to satisfy everyone's deepest yearnings. Amen. He's, he's seriously 
involved in that, in that work. I, I have no doubt. That, that's why I can sit there and see the impossible. And I, I smile. And, and those of you that are close to me have seen that reality. That we're going through the craziest or seeing the craziest scenario. and says Jesus is sufficient to supply all our needs according to the wealth of the vast expanse of his glory and his treasure. So a lot of people see Jesus with an inability, and I see him with all ability. And, and uh, we're talking about physical needs, but the greatest longings in the heart of man are the personal needs, things that are not physical. There's things that need to be healed deep inside of us. Um, when I've done my research as to how God is going to supply our, all our needs, I ran into Psalm 104, and, and I begin to, this is, I mean, this has to be in the Bible, because in regards to physical needs, uh, imagine if your will, how much water has to be consumed on planet Earth to sustain every living creature. Do we have any mathematicians? We see that camels can drink for three days, for seven days, and their supply of water needs to be great. What is it to supply the entire earth with all of its needs? Um, we we got to go there, and it's written there in Psalm 104. And we could start in verse... Um, let me see here. Verse 10. He sends springs into the valleys and they flow amongst the hills. They, they give drink to every beast of the field. You know why I like this particular verse? Verse 11. These springs and valleys, they give drink to every beast of the field. Why do I like this verse 11? The wild donkey quenches their thirst also. Have you ever had to deal with a wild donkey? If you ever did, you would cut off his water source in two seconds. You're like, you're not getting no more water. You're not going to sustain. I love this verse because the Lord says, I even quench the thirst of rebellious people. I even meet the needs of those that are wild donkeys. Verse 12, how much water sustains his creations upon the earth? If he sustains every beast of the field, you, you just start numbering all the cattle, all the horses, all the birds, all the cats, all the dogs. By them, the waters, the birds of the airs have their home. They sing amongst the branches. Verse 13. A home for every bird. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. He's satisfying the earth with the fruits of all his works. I, I want to tell you, just enumerate your needs, whatever they are. And, and this is what I tell people all the time. Grab a sheet of paper, put all your needs, and then when you have all your needs met, say, thank you, Lord. Now I am going to help meet the needs of others because I have all my needs met. 
You've, you've given me a wife. You've given me children. You've given me family. You've given me a business. You've given me money. I, I, I support. I have clothes. Not now, I'm going to concentrate on helping others. So for the past five years, four months out of the year, we've been traveling the world. Well, how do you travel the world? I, what, what are you doing? We're going to offer others to come to the Jesus that we've come to. We could spend our time concentrate on me, 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 and some more me, 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 and nothing for others, but that, that, would, be, that would contradict our faith. Here, Jesus is meeting the needs of the entire earth. Look what it says in verse, um, verse 14. He gives grass so that all the cattle could eat. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. How much is that? If we were mathematicians, if we were farmers, what does it, what does it need to sustain? Um, a friend of mine once bought I think it was 60 cows. I had to feed them every week. 60 cows. And he was going nuts. Imagine all the animals. He causes grass to grow. Vegetation for the service of man. How many have had a banana lately? How many bananas are in the world? Apples. Oranges. How many have had an apple, an orange, and a banana while we're fasting, right? <laughs> Absolutely. They don't run out. Well, who's meeting these needs? Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And, and he says that he may bring forth food from the earth, that there might be provision from the earth. Now, the next verse, we've got to go slow on. Some people are going to go crazy on. Wine that makes the heart of man glad. Oil that makes his face shine. Bread. Bread. For the, for the, I think it was either the 20, the 31st or the 24th, the Buena, Noche Buena, it was, it was Christmas Eve, brought like 15 brands of different bread, French bread, sesame bread, Greek bread, sourdough bread, bread to just become a pleasantly plump individual. <laughs> Where is it coming from? And, and so what we're doing here is we're, we're opening up our understanding of what is the vast provisions of a faithful God that, that he wants to entrust us so that we could minister to others. But if we don't have that understanding, we, we think we're orphans, we think we're estranged, there's no inheritance, there's no provision, there's no one to heal, there's no one to, there's no one to speak over. And so there's no needs to be met. He keeps on going, uh, and he says in verse 16, trees of the Lord are full of sap. How many have had syrup on your pancakes? Not lately. Better not, not lately. But when we're not fasting, the, the, the syrup on our pancakes, out of trees that he's planted, all the sores. Um, and, and this is why I believe that, that needs are met in a most particular manner. He, he knows exactly how to meet the needs in a special context. Um, he could sit there and just throw grain, you know, and no, he's particular. He's, he's specific. 
He says, I know you from your mother's womb and I have a plan for your life. And my plan involves the provision of all your needs and, and levels of huge. When we wrote the book, Restoring the Gates That Prevail, we have the fountain gate and it's the gate that is the provision of all resources and the huge travesty of those people that try to find their needs outside of God. Well, God's taking too long. Or I don't understand God. They walk away from God who, who has given us all special fingerprints. They're all different because they're all special provisions of needs to be provided in our lives. And so when we don't have that understanding, we, we run rampant in the world trying to have our needs met at places that God never intended. So he says there, trees full of sap, verse 17, where the birds make their nests. He has trees that make honey and also a place where nests are made. Verse 18, the high hills are for wild goats. Again, wild donkeys, wild goats. God is providing a place of refuge for rocks, badgers, the most vicious animal there is, God has a dwelling place for him. Verse 19, he appointed moons and seasons. The sun knows it's going down. Uh, verse 20, you, God, you're the one that creates darkness and it is night um, in which all the beasts of the forest creep about and the young lion. So he goes through all the provisions. Verse 24, how Huge is the multitude of all these things. In wisdom, you've made them all, and the earth is full of your possessions. And he gets into the ocean, verse 25, the great wide sea. Who put all that's in the ocean there? The great vast ocean where there's innumerable teeming things living things, both small and great. They just ran into a sunfish. They said this is a 13 by 27, 13 feet tall, 27 feet long, a fish, the sunfish, the biggest fish there is. God, it is like, and he's sitting there in that ocean. God put it there to meet the needs, to meet provisions. There are ships that sail about. And you made them there to play, these great animals. Verse 27, all these wait upon you. Put your name there, please, and say, I wait upon you too, Lord. I'm a needy person, and you've provided all things, and I'm waiting on you to meet my needs. You give them all their food in its season. It's horrible. The people that go around and say, are you going to starve to death? And what are you going to do for a living? And what, what's your future entail? Listen, tell them that there's a God up there that meets all your needs according to his rich mercies and grace. And, and to the T, to the T, these all wait for you that you may give them their provision in season. When you give them, they gather in. Verse 28. When God is giving them, they're able to take in. Your hand is opened, and they are filled with good. If you don't have this mindset as a Christian, you go around like running away from people. Wait, be, 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 this guy's needy, and she's needy, and they're needy, and you're running, and you're like, Duh. Jesus, tell them to go home so we could. No. Jesus is not into that. That's not God. 
He says that what, uh, verse 28, right? What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand and they are filled with good. And so here we are, the nexus people here, um, walking with Jesus. Matthew 15, verse 34. Jesus wants to know this. How many loaves do you have? What, what is in your field? Because obviously, you're not going to be able to give people what you don't have. You're not going to be able to share. Uh, what we give people around the world is what we've been given. And they said, we have seven and a few little fish. We have seven loaves and a few little fish. In verse 35, so he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. One of the, one of the things of why, I, and I write this in the book, Restoring the Gates, it says, why don't people receive the vast provisions of his resources? Because they don't sit down and wait. They're, they're taking off trying to find their needs somewhere outside of Christ. They want to find their replenishing, but they're not willing to follow. He commanded them to sit down on the ground. What happened to the guy that says, Oh, are these guys going to make us sit down now? I'm leaving. Guess what? That guy didn't eat that day. He had to go into some desert place, God knows what. But he commanded a multitude to sit down on the ground, and he gave them instruction. Verse 36, this is my favorite part. He took the seven loaves of fish. He gave thanks for what was in his hands. He broke it and began to give to his disciples, and the disciples began to give to the multitude. Now, now what does God want to put in our hands this year to make us resourceful for his kingdom? To make his glory shine bright. This is, I never liked this verse uh, the first 10 years of my Christian life. I, listen to me, God. I know a little bit about numbers. Seven loaves doesn't even feed us six at home. Once those animals begin to eat, they're not going to have any leftovers. When the hungry person eats, it's not gonna, there's not going to be anything left. And, and you know what? I would argue with the Lord for many years until the Lord says, you know why I put that in the Bible? To blow your fuse. To, to make your reasoning stop. To stop your, your mathematical equations. Because God does what he wants, how he wants, where he wants, with whom he wants, as many times as he wants. And so he has to burn out your little calculator in your brain that you're saying, okay, seven loaves and then 5,000 people. And this is not going to happen. And this will never happen. So I make them go. And so all that stuff makes you lose perspective. So he wants to blow your fuse. And he's blown my fuse many years ago. That's it. Verse 37, so they all ate. If that doesn't get you mad, then this next verse will. And they were filled. They ate until they could eat no more. Four. Let's go back. 37. They ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. I, I want to tell you something about meeting the needs of others. You're never going to outgive God. You're never going to outgive God. Whenever you think you're giving, get ready because God is going to fill your tank again so that you continue to give, so that you continue to meet needs. And, and we've seen this over the course of 30 years. Um, people used to sit back and say, man, is there no end to this? There's no end. 
It's just large, large jar. Verse 38, as they uh, ate and they were filled, those who ate were 4,000 men, not including the women and the children. There was a lot of needs being met that day. I, I hope that God gives you a heart to open up in this regards. Verse, uh, it says, verse 39, they, they sent away the multitude and got in the boat and came to another region. Are you prepared tonight to stretch what you know about meeting other people's needs? Are you prepared for God to take you on this journey of understanding that he wants us to put that on our list of things to do? To uh, We were at the Marlin game a couple of months ago and I was talking to the gentleman. I said, are you going to have children? He says, no way, can't afford them. I said, don't you know there's a God in heaven that wants you to have many children because he's going to provide for you greater resource than your minimum wage that you're locked into in Miami. To be able to open people's eyes to see the vast expanse of who God is and his faithfulness, and we see it throughout the Bible. In Mark 10, 50, there's a blind man there, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? This is one of the questions we got to be prepared to ask people. Verse 51, Mark 10, 51. Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? That's, that's super important for you to ask other people. And he says, well, you know something, I need a job. And then you say, okay, let's pray to Jesus for a job. Well, I need, to, I need my family to be restored. Well, let's pray to Jesus to restore your family. Well, I need, I need healing because I'm losing my eyesight. I'm losing my, my health. And whatever they are able to speak to you with regards to their need, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. I want you to heal my sight. And Jesus said to him, verse 52, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward for the, for the uh, Lord's Supper tonight. John chapter six, verse two. As Jesus looks over the multitude, a great multitude followed him because he saw, they saw the signs which he performed on those who were sick, diseased. As he began to meet people's needs, people began to follow him. I really believe that this year is gonna be a supernatural year of miracles that God would move through us in a manner that is huge. Mark chapter 6, verse 34, one of the provisions that he saw that people were in need of was to have 6.34. Jesus, when he came and saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. How many know that a lot of people need a pastor? They need a flock they need to be instructed things like what we heard tonight that just opens our heart and our understanding of who God is and what he wants to do through us and in us. One of the things was that uh, he was moved in compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You guys know a lot of families that don't have a shepherd. Meeting their needs is, is encouraging them to have a shepherd. You can tell them what it's like to become a sheep, what is to be part of a fold. 
That's one of the aspects. Another aspect was um, Matthew 14, 14, where he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them and began to heal them of their infirmities. How many people do you know that have infirmities, that have sickness? You could, you could in Jesus' name, move in that direction to heal the sick. And when we have testimonies, if, if the documented case of health issues that were healed in our church were brought to light, people would, would probably be standing outside the door every day, for real. You just to begin to enumerate the amount of people that God has healed and, and made whole in this place. I think Philippians 4.19 should be your favorite verse after tonight. Paul would write these words to remind the Philippians. He would say that, may God supply all your need according to the riches in glory through Jesus Christ. Let, let him be your source. Uh, a lot of people... A lot of people go to other people to meet their needs. Uh, this afternoon, I was talking to my son, and he was like, no, when I go to Washington, D.C., I'm going to have Marco Rubio help me. I said, if Jesus don't help you, no one will. Because Jesus is prepared to meet all your needs, and you don't put your confidence in men. See, that's, that's a way we minister to others. When they have placed their hopes on other things, that you can repoint them to the source that's a vast provision. And I love Jesus for that. I love Jesus for that. That he's prepared to, to meet us at our needs. Don't let your children or your family think that your needs are coming or being met by anything other than Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Paul would write these words too to the Corinthians. God is able to bless you abundantly. To make all grace abound towards you. So that you always having all sufficiency in every need. It's a great, great understanding of who God is. He's able to make it grow and be abundant so that you will have sufficient in all things that you might also direct your abundance towards everyone in your circle that has needs. Those are, those are the times where God is glorified the most. Um, let's get prepared to participate with the Lord's Supper tonight. I think that for our first midweek Bible study, a lot of you miss on your midweek Bible studies on Sunday. A lot of people that are coming are missing, and they're, they're missing the meat of the gospel. They're missing the real um, uh, weighty instruction for them to honor the Lord and, and to serve him. Um, so you be their encouragement. You let them know that their need of being here needs to be met. Father, thank you for your table. Thank you for the bread and the wine. This is not luxury. This is necessity, oh God. You have provided for our needs in the Lord's Supper. And Father, as we minister tonight and receive the bread and the wine, we pray that you bless it and that it would be uh, nourishing to our spirit and our relationship with you and with others. We pray that we might participate in a manner that is worthy, O oh God, that we would honor you by honoring this table, Lord. We ask you forgiveness of our sins. We ask you for forgiveness of our offense towards others, our sin, our inability to love, that you cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. And as we participate with the bread and the cup, we know that we are strengthened and revitalized 
and, and we have a, abundant life and we are enriched and celebrate your provisions tonight, oh God. We give you thanks for the victory you had in the cross of Calvary and what this table represents. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen and amen.